got your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. There was a man standing outside of a coliseum in New York as people were going in. And everybody that went in to the coliseum, he gave them an English walnut. Now, in case you don't know what an English walnut is, it's, 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 it's got white, it's white colored on the outside, kind of a tan, and, and it's, you can crack it open. What he had done, he had opened each one of those English walnuts and had written a verse of Scripture and put it on the inside and then glued the walnut back together. And so everybody that went in, he would give them that English walnut. And he says, I want to give you uh, the gospel in a nutshell. And, and of course, the verse that was in it was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel in a nutshell. In Philippians 2, though, verse 5, you have what I want to call this morning the full gospel. Have you ever rode by and saw on a church sign and said, this is a full gospel church? You ever seen that before? Full gospel? I've never seen one that said, this is a half gospel church. <laughs> never seen that. Now, I know what they mean when they say it's a full gospel church. It means basically that they're a Pentecostal or a charismatic church, and I, I love them, and, and, and no way am I reflecting, but they just want you to know that, man, we're full gospel. We, we believe in being baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's evidence by speaking in tongues, and we, we believe in all the gifts of the Spirit operative today, and, and I know exactly what they mean by, by a full gospel church. And now Luke 4, 18, we're, we're a full gospel church. We believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we believe all the spiritual gifts uh, sign gifts and service gifts are all still operative today, and, and God hadn't changed, and we are not cessationists that believed all the miracles stopped when the apostles died. No, we, we're a we're, we're full gospel church in that sense. But, you know, we're, the reason I love this passage in Philippians chapter 2 is, man, you're talking about the full gospel. Paul, in about five or six verses, I mean, he just lays out the absolute full gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read it. Beginning to read in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, I want you to have the same mind Christ had. Who being in the form of God. And, and the beautiful thing there, the Greek word there is usios, which means the same substance, deity who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery or a thing to be grasped or held on to, to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking upon him the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. Now, those verses, 5 through uh, the first part of verse 8, 
The full gospel, here's the first one. It's called the incarnation. God became flesh and dwelt among us. So he, he takes those first three verses and talks about the incarnation. God became man. Now, read on. He says, and being found in appearance as a man, verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he moves now from the incarnation, God became flesh and dwelt among us, to the crucifixion. Tells us why he came. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, then he goes to the third part of the gospel, the incarnation, the crucifixion. Now he goes to the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, therefore, in verse 9, since he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, because he became a man and dwelt among us. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So in these few verses, incarnation, crucifixion, exaltation. Given him the name that is above every name. And then there's the coronation. Look at the rest of the verse. God has highly exalted him, given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, crown him, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then he goes on and says, in light of all that God has done in Christ, he said, just as you obey not only in my absence, as you obey not in my presence only, but now much more in, your own, in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In thinking of the full gospel, I want us to think for a moment about the incarnation. God became flesh and dwelt among us. I want us to think about the crucifixion. Exactly what the cross means to our lives and to this world. And then let's think about the exaltation. How today Jesus is highly exalted. And then how that he is crowned and his coronation. You know, only by faith can you grasp the reality that the God who created this world became a man and lived among us. That is beyond human comprehension. Listen, God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He is ever-present. He's infinite. He has without beginning and without ending. There's no other God but Him. Uncreated, eternally existed. But you know, in time, the Bible says that God became flesh and lived among us. Notice what it says about Jesus. It says, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it something he had to be held on to, but to be equal with God. But he said he came and, and, and was found in appearance as a man. You see, there are two things we have to come to grips with. And that is this. We believe in the Trinity. 
The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Not separated. They're distinct. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three are of the same essence, are of the same substance. Are you saying, Brother Fred, that Jesus Christ is just as much deity as God the Father? Absolutely. Are you saying the Holy Spirit is just as much deity as the Father and the Son? Absolutely. So here, in time, God, in the person of Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, became a man and lived among us. Now, you've got to understand about Jesus. He is the son of David, perfect humanity, and he is the son of God, perfect deity. All right, as, you, as you read the scripture, it talks about it very, very clearly. In Isaiah seven fourteen, it says that a, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. What does the word Emmanuel mean? God with us. God with us. God's going, uh, a virgin's going to see, son's going to be born, and he's going to be called Emmanuel, which is, hey, not just another man. It is God with us. Then the great passage on the incarnation, coming in the form of a man, is John chapter 1, verses 1 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. The Word was with God in the beginning, Jesus. And the Word was God. And then that great verse, John in verse 14, and the Word that was in the beginning, the Word that was with God and the Word that was God, and the Word became flesh, man, and lived among us. Wow. God became flesh and lived among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The full gospel, the incarnation, God became flesh and dwelled among us. Folks, here's the amazing thing. Jesus laid aside his deity and took upon himself complete humanity. Jesus was exactly like you and me, except he did not have the nature of Adam. He's the last Adam. He, did not, he was not born with a sinful nature. That's why the virgin birth is so significant. He had no earthly father. He was conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit. And the virgin birth means that he was not born with the nature of Adam, which was a sinful nature. But he, other than not having a sinful nature, Jesus lived on this earth as a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was tempted as a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was tried as a man full of the Holy Spirit. And somebody says, well, he lived on earth as God. No, he lived on earth as a man. And Hebrews makes it absolutely clear. I want you to listen to this. The incarnation, the humanity of Jesus is so significant in our redemption. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, listen to me carefully. Inasmuch as the children, that's us, are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself shared the same. That through death, 
he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is, the devil. It says here in verse 17, therefore, now don't miss this, in all things he had to be made like his brethren. In all things he had to be made like you and me. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now listen at this. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Jesus lived on this earth. God manifest in the flesh as a man full of the Holy Spirit. He lived by the power of the Holy Spirit without measure. He was tempted in every way like you and me. But he never sinned. Therefore, he's able to help us who are tempted. You say, well, but you know, Jesus just doesn't understand. Oh, yes, he does. He doesn't understand this world. Oh, you, oh yes, he does. He lived on this earth. He knew what it was to be praised, but he knew what it was to be rejected. He knew what it was to be accepted. He knew what it was to be turned away. He knew what it was for the devil to come to him and tempt him in his body, in his soul, and in his spirit in the wilderness. And so the full gospel is the incarnation. God became flesh and lived among us. But look back in, in, in Philippians 2. And you not only see the incarnation, but you see the crucifixion. You've got to understand this. And you can't get away from this. You and I were born to live. Jesus was born to die. Oh, yeah. Written above his head was the lamb, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was born to die. If you would notice there in in Philippians, what it says, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the coming in the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You know, from the very beginning, Jesus knew he was on a mission. And he knew that mission was to die for the sins of the world. To die in your place in my... Oh, he knew. Back when he was in the temple as a lad. And astonished, I think that they think he was around 12. And astonished the people, the scholars and the rabbis, with his wisdom and his knowledge... And he was talking about, even then, I've got to be about my father's business. And from that point on, even while there's very little that we know until he began his public ministry at 30, Jesus always lived with this in his mind, his hour. He called it his hour. He would say to his disciples, now, no, we're not going to do that because my hour has not yet come. They said, well, why don't we just go on to Jerusalem now? He said, no, I'm not going because my hour has not yet come. And then he gets over there in John about chapter 13 and, 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 and he realizes the hour. What was he talking about? The cross. 
Oh, yeah. He lived constantly knowing that that hour would come. He said, what? He said, mine hour has now come. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour? He said, no. For this hour, I came into the world. You see, you've got to understand about Jesus. You were born to live. He was born to die. And you know, there was a picture that I saw that someone painted. And it was a picture of Jesus as a lad standing in the door of the carpenter shop. And behind him was the shadow of a cross. Did you know he always lived in the shadow of the cross? Never got away from it. Always lived in that shadow. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And the full gospel is not only that God became flesh and lived among us, the incarnation. It's the crucifixion that Jesus came and he died on the cross in your place and in my place. You know, that I could spend week, week upon week just talking about the cross. But let me just simply say a couple of things because I want to go on to the last two parts. One, you've got to understand that the death of Christ on the cross was substitutionary. He took your place. Oh, yeah, he took your place. You and I should, we were the sinners. We were the sinners. The wages of sin is death. We should have been nailed to the cross. He was innocent. He was the lamb without spot and blemish. If anybody should have died, it was not him. But no, he took our place. He took our place. His death was substitutionary. I love Isaiah 53. Man, Isaiah knew it so clearly. It says here in verse 4, listen to it. He was your substitute. You know what a substitute is? It's somebody that takes your place. That's what a substitute is. The death of Jesus on the cross was substitutionary. It says, surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep had gone astray. Listen at this. Substitutionary. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Man, the full gospel is called the crucifixion. The substitutionary death of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Of the full gospel, the incarnation, God became flesh and dwelt among us. But oh, the crucifixion, Jesus Christ, son of David, son of God, perfect humanity, perfect deity, came on a mission and he died on the cross in our place. And his, his death was substitutionary, but it was also sufficient. It was sufficient. You know, the Bible says he offered one sacrifice for sin forever. No more sacrifices. He offered one sacrifice for sin forever. 
The Bible says by one offering, he's perfected those who are being sanctified. The Bible says that not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered almost holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I'll tell you, you can't add anything to the sacrifice of Christ. You can't take anything from it. It was absolutely sufficient. A full gospel church, <laughs> the full gospel, the incarnation, the crucifixion. But you know, it doesn't stop there. Look, read on in, in Philippians, and man, you see the glorious, absolute, awesome exaltation. It says here, uh, he was obedient to death in verse 8, even to the death of the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him the name above every name. You see, the exaltation of Jesus involves, first of all, when God raised him from the dead. I love Romans 1, 3. Don't miss this. Declared to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. Any question about his sinless humanity? Any question about his deity that he had laid aside to become a man and live among us? Any question about his sacrifice on the cross that it was substitutionary and sufficient? All questions were answered when God Almighty raised his son Jesus from the dead. Man, we learned that little chorus. The cross is bare, the tomb is empty, and the throne is occupied. My friend, do you understand that the death of Christ on the cross was just a glorious and absolute victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the Father showing his full acceptance of the sinless life and sacrificial death of his son raised Jesus Christ from the dead and today he is the living Christ he is the living Lord and he has been exalted to the right hand of the majesty on high man what an absolute glorious thing you know the Bible says that God's given Jesus the name that is above every name Wow. I, I got to thinking about this, about the name that is above every name. Now, it is a powerful name. It's a powerful name. You remember that when J Peter and John were going into the temple right after uh, Pentecost, and the guy was there, and he was wanting some, uh, he was blind, or he was lame, and he was wanting some uh, money. And you remember what uh, Peter said to him? Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have in the, what? The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I'm going to tell you about the name. God has exalted him and given him the name above every name. I want to tell you, it's a powerful name. The disciples went out and came back, it says in Luke 10, 17. They said, Lord, you're not going to believe it. Even the devil, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Have you noticed? People don't mind you talking about God. But it troubles them when you start talking about Jesus. <laughs> because that's the name that is above every name. It bothers the devil when you talk about Jesus. Did you know that? Because he knows that Jesus was the one who sealed his doom 
forever. You know, it's called the exaltation. God has given him the name that is above every name. And I want you to know it's, a, it's the powerful, powerful, powerful name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's the saving name of Jesus. You know what Acts 4.12 says? Now, this really messes up people who uh, uh, want to talk about, you, 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 I don't know what they call it. They say, you've got to be uh, tolerant. You've got to be, no, here's what it is. Now, don't be narrow-minded. Don't, don't be exclusive. I, I mean, come on now. Let's just be honest. Uh, uh, there are many different roads that lead to heaven, and people take different roads, but they all end up in the same place. But now this drives them crazy because you know what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12? There is no other name given under, under heaven, given among men, whereby we, what, must be saved. There's no other name whereby a man or a woman can be saved. Did you know Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? No man comes to the Father except what? Through me. Man, it's the saving name of Jesus. And today, most religious people are universalist. They won't admit it. They say, oh, we love Jesus. and he's my. But I'm telling you now, wait a minute. They, they, they believe a good Jew, or, and, and I'm, I'm for everybody going to heaven, but I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. Well, a good Muslim or a good Buddhist or a good Hindu or a good Jewish person, that, that, that don't, don't you worry about them. You know, they're sincere. They're sincere. All that matters is in sincerity. I'll just give you one verse about that. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Okay? And see, universally say, doesn't matter. We all going to end up in the same place, but not, not according to the Word of God. See, Jesus Christ is highly exalted. There's no other name among, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. I'm telling you, it's the powerful name of Jesus. It is the saving name. And it also says that whosoever shall call, in Romans 10, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. They're going to be saved. That's the only way they're going to be saved. You know, they, they, they put the disciples to death because they wouldn't bow to Caesar. How could they bow to Caesar when they'd already bowed to Jesus Christ? Man, the exaltation. God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. I want to ask you a quick question. Who is the most powerful person that has ever lived? Jesus. Who is the most not only powerful person that ever, who's the most, who is the wisest person that ever lived? Jesus. Who's the greatest teacher that ever lived? Jesus. You see, I mean, it's not anybody close. Who affected history more than any person that ever lived? Jesus. It's called A.D. and B.C. B.C. before Christ. A.D., the year of our Lord. He divided history in two. I want to tell you something. There was the incarnation, hallelujah, and there's the crucifixion, but praise God, there's the exaltation, and Jesus Christ has the name that is above every name, but you know, there's one last thing. It's called the coronation. You know what it says? 
God has highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name. Now I want you to listen to the coronation. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. But you bow before a king. That's what you do. You bow. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under earth, earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I got news. Every person whoever was conceived in the womb, ever born and ever lived on this earth, every person at one time will bow and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. They will confess that He is Lord. They'll confess Him as Lord and be saved on this earth, or they'll confess Him as Lord, and He'll not only be their Lord, He'll be their judge. Somebody says, well, I'll tell you one thing. I'll never follow Jesus. I'll never confess who Jesus is. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. You can confess now or you can confess at the judgment. But you will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will do that. Praise God. Confess Jesus Christ is Lord and let him be your Lord on this earth. And, man, you can know the glory and joy of heaven. Or you can reject him. But one day you will bow your knee and with with." Crying out for mercy, you'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but you'll be cast into an e- Christless eternity. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the coronation. That's the coronation. You know, I, I love it. Um, I-, I get to thinking about this, and I heard somebody say this one time. You know, the first time Jesus came, he stood before Pilate. But when he comes back, Pilate's going to stand before him. First time Jesus came, they put a crown of thorns on his brow. But man, he's coming back and he's going to have a crown of glory on his head. He's car- he's, there's a coronation. There'll be a crown of glory. They came the first time And they crucified him and put him on a cross. Hallelujah. The next time he's going to be sitting on a throne, praise God, in majesty and glory. And the first time they mocked him and ridiculed him. But when he comes again, everybody's going to say, Jesus Christ is what? Lord. I like the full gospel. Incarnation, God became flesh and lived among us. Crucifixion, he was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. The exaltation, declared to be the Son of God with power by resurrection from the dead. He has the name, the name above every name. And then there's the coronation. Every knee's going to bow. And every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know who's going to confess that Jesus is Lord? Buddha. Was there a person, real Buddha? Yeah, I guess there was an original Buddha. I know they're the little statues, but Buddha will confess Jesus is Lord. Guess who else is? Mohammed. He's going to confess Jesus is Lord. 
Everybody is. The biggest agnostic that ever lived is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Praise God, I'm going to confess it down here. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I ain't waiting until I get up there. I love to confess that. That's the way they used to greet each other. Jesus Curios, they'd meet on the street, the early Christians, and they would say, hey, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's, all, that's the way they greeted each other. What a wonderful way to greet someone. Praise God. When you, um, you know, check out at the grocery counter, just look at them and say, well, here, how much was that now? And, and you, I don't ever have any cash. So you put your credit card in there, you know, and then, then you sign it and say, by the way, I meant to tell you that Jesus is Lord. That's a good way to, to close a conversation. Because he is Lord. 